Welcome to the Text Lab. This is Andrea. I'm David. This is where we do a deep dive into the text to help you prep for life group this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples who make disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the Text Lab helps you have meaningful conversations about what God has said in his word. This week is John 5, 16 through 30. Let's get into it. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment." I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Nice that we had 15 verses this week instead of 30, right? (laughs) Totally. A little (laughs) bit shorter. A little bit shorter. So let's do this. Yeah, I think a great place to start with this text this week is um, kind of an exegetical tool. That's one thing we're always trying to help give you guys in the text lab is thinking about kind of the bigger narrative that's going on and really the continual New Testament's use of the Old Testament text and themes. You'll see this kind of all throughout the Gospels, that the New Testament world is kind of continually discussing Old Testament background. Uh, The New Testament writers really assume that the reader has an understanding of the Old Testament, and the primary story that gives meaning to the story of the New Testament is the Old Testament. And so you really kind of have to understand that to understand what's going on. Sure. Yeah. So just to get us caught up to where we are right now, the last week we were talking about two miracles Jesus had done. He'd healed Mm -hmm. a couple different people. People responded totally differently. And in, in this last one, Jesus has healed this man by the pool and the religious teachers get all upset because Jesus is healing on Mm -hmm. the Sabbath. It's not ultimately about the Sabbath. And I think sometimes as I've read this, I've always been like, why are they so upset about the Sabbath? And that's where understanding the Old Testament story here really helps us. So we got to kind of understand that the ultimate story is that God has called a people out of slavery. Israel, he's bound them to himself through a covenant of the law and the promised land. And so you see the Jewish religious leaders, that's the story that they are understanding. And so when Jesus comes and he heals someone who's been paralyzed for 38 years, they're mad about the law and they're mad about the Sabbath, but it's not just because they're upset that this rule has been broken. Really, they've built their entire 
identity as a Jewish people on being set apart from foreign and surrounding nations. They've done that through the Sabbath. They've done that through circumcision. Um, and they've done that by not eating meat, not eating any uh, meat as part of their diet. And so they kind of built their entire identity on those things. Yeah, it's not like this whole idea of just following the rules mm. and the checklist, and yet it is for them. Like they've made mm. this idea of following the checklist the main thing rather yep. than the theology actually being the the main thing or knowing God being the main thing. Totally, totally. They've really substituted the rules that were pointing them to God, and that is now the main thing. That's yeah. now what they're focused on the most. But so when Jesus breaks that, when he breaks the Sabbath, when he is breaking the rule, but he's really challenging their Jewish identity. He's challenging their big story um, that they are saved because they have the law, that they're saved because they are Jewish people and that they are children of Abraham. And so because of those things, they really thought, we don't need Jesus. We don't need any salvation because we have Abraham. We have Moses. And so Jesus is kind of challenging challenging that notion and their understanding of the world. Yeah, totally. So moms and dads, cover your kids' ears. But here's the idea. It's like them finding out Santa's not real. <laughs> and it totally blows their minds. They can't understand what's happening in front of them. Totally. So there's this big paradigm shift going on in this passage. Um, and now Jesus begins to explain the why behind the what. Why is Jew Jesus doing this th these things? He lays it out that he's doing these things because he is God. He says that his father is always working. And so he is always working. Whatever the father does, the son does. Um, he continues and goes on and says that as the father gives life, Jesus gives life. Jesus judges like the father. Ultimately, Jesus is God. He's doing whatever his father does. Um, and he's claiming to be God here in this passage. Yeah, totally. I love it because Jesus is like, hey, you thought you were mad about the Sabbath. <laughs> I'm about to blow your paradigm just a little <laughs> bit more. But what I really love about this passage, like if you first read through it, you're kind of like, what is going on? But Jesus mm. is talking in a context that they would have really understood. Hmm. He's talking in the context of apprenticeship. And so where they would have expected Jesus to be this just above a peasant hmm. carpenter learning from his father, he's like, actually, let me tell you who my dad really is hmm. and what he's actually teaching me to do. Yeah, I'm good at creating stuff like the universe. Hmm. <laughs> and hmm. it totally blows their mind. He's he is a designer. So if you take that and you want to unpack it with your group this week, like look at these seven different ways mm. that the Trinitarian language is in yeah. there. And it's talking about God as the father with the son. And think about it in this context of the father and apprentice to his son and how the father would eventually give over the family business mm. to his son and what's happening there culturally, yeah. how he's teaching yeah. people about what his authority really is. Yeah, that's cool because people would have known who Jesus was. They would have known, right, that he was just this carpenter. They would have really low expectations for him. And suddenly he's coming out and saying, hey, I am God. So they would have been really upset about that. And then also I think that's a great point just to really notice Trinity as you read scripture. Notice kind of the Trinitarian relationship that goes on. Sometimes the Trinity can be really confusing for us, but it really can be something that brings us into deeper worship of God as we notice it in the text, um, which happens quite a bit 
in the book of John. Um, okay, so you've got these religious leaders who are upset because of the Sabbath, but they're also just upset because of their Jewish identity is being challenged. And now Jesus, the carpenter, is saying he himself is uh, God. Where does that ultimately land us? It lands us onto a place of decision. Are we going to believe that Jesus is God? Jesus says in verse 24 then, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. If Jesus is God, um, then salvation only occurs through Christ. It demands a response from us. Um, it demands a response of a belief, whether we will believe in Jesus. And I just want to point out that this is like probably the most debated. I, this is my own opinion, but I think this is really true that this is probably one of the most debated religious kind of ideas throughout all of human history. Um, you really see belief systems in the world split over this idea of who Jesus is. Um, whether Jesus is God or not um, really kind of can be something that separates a lot of different belief systems from one another. And that's because of kind of the implications that are at stake if Jesus is God. Yeah. So if Jesus is not God, if he's some sort of like good teacher like Gandhi or Martin yeah. Luther King Jr. and we can get behind his cause, like he doesn't demand a bigger response from me. Mm. It's just one of many things to choose. Right. What are you going to pick from the menu? Yep. yep. No, nobody really cares which one you pick. Just make a choice that doesn't hurt anybody else. But if we decide to be followers of Jesus, not just fans, it mm. totally changes the way we act in the world. Totally. And I think the scripture actually gives us a, a thing that Jesus is calling us to. So there in verse 28, he's saying, do not marvel at this. So don't marvel at these special works that mm. I've done. Mm. He's saying, like, greater things are going mm. to come. Right. Bigger right. than the tangible that you can see, there's yeah. bigger than you can fathom. And that's what it's about. It's not just this choice you make. Yeah. It's the God that you worship. Yeah. Don't just marvel at the signs Jesus is doing or even these things that he's saying. Marvel at the fact that he is God. Worship him. Believe in him um, is ultimately the main point, which is kind of always the main point here throughout the book of John. If kind of some just the real big ideas coming from this text is respond in belief. We'll see that over and over again. And just the big idea that Jesus is God. I think that's what John is continually just saying over and over again through every passage in the book of John is that Jesus is God, um, which leaves us with some really big implications of what does it mean that Jesus is God? What does that mean for myself? What does that mean for kind of every single person who's ever lived? Um, so Andre, I'll pass it back to you. What's kind of like application that you would take away from this passage, thinking about Jesus um, really clearly saying here in this text that he is God? What does that mean for us Monday morning? Monday morning. Yeah. So as I was reading through this, it really struck me that Jesus says, hey, because God loves me, because the Father mm. loves me. And it reminded me of a verse that we're actually going to see later in John 15, where Jesus mm. says, hey, guess what? The way the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. That's John 15, 9. And it just kind of got me thinking, if this understanding of who God is and how he loves the Son is that same way I'm supposed to think about how God loves me and how Jesus loves me. It completely changes the way that I live, which is, mm. I feel like brings us back around to that beginning where people mm. are, are like, don't mess up the Sabbath. Yeah. But if you understand the love relationship, then you begin to live the Sabbath mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a way that follows right. the paradigm that God has set out for you in love. Yeah. So I guess if we're asking like a big question, like how does it change the way I live to know that the God who loves Jesus mm. is also the God who loves me? Yeah. That's so good, Andre, because it really, it moves 
following Jesus away from rules to relationship. Yeah. It moves it away from just like, hey, follow the rule of the Sabbath or follow the rule of loving your neighbor to relationship, to loving because the way God has loved us. Look at the relationship between the Father and the Son. And that then motivates us to love others as we have seen how God has loved the Son and now the Son has loved us. Like, I love that. It's not about a rule. Ultimately, it's about the relationship that's at stake. And that's really kind of what they were missing in this passage. Sure. It really elevates it for me from just this checklist to like a paradigm that shows me how to live. Yeah, that's so good. I think for me, if Jesus is God, truly, that's very, very practical because Monday morning when I wake up, now I'm not Lord of my own life anymore. I, I, I have this real um, call to get off the throne of my life, to respond in worship um, because Jesus is God, and to dis- to respond in surrender. That like, hey, Jesus, Monday morning, I'm not uh, the king of my own day. I'm not the king of my own life. You truly are the king. Jesus, you truly are God. And that calls me to respond in just really surrendering every day of my life to him. Okay, Jesus, what do you have for me today? This day isn't about what I want. Um, My life's not ultimately about what I want to get out of it or what I can accomplish, what I can do for my own kingdom. But Jesus is the king of this kingdom. And so it just kind of brings you into this posture of surrender, um, which I think is what belief actually is. It's, it's, It's not just saying you believe some kind of few abstract theological ideas. It's really belief is surrender and discipleship and saying, Jesus, you are Lord. And so um, living it from that posture every single day, because Jesus is God. Now I'm called to surrender completely to him. Yeah, David, that's really good. It's like it takes away that sense of like anxiety over all Mm, the stuff you have to accomplish and allows you to lay it at the feet and be like... What are you trying to accomplish through? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Well, thanks everyone for spending your time with us. Our promise to you is that we're going to do our best to really make this time valuable to you, to um, have some insights into the text, to talk about the big ideas, to really help you kind of unpack it in your own life and with your group this week. Yeah, so whether you're hanging out at the Thanksgiving table this week (laughs) or mowing the lawn or driving or whatever it is you like to do while you're listening to podcasts, we hope you feel equipped encouraged and ready to walk through the text with your group this week we encourage you let the spirit lead you um, as you head into your group um, as you spend time with your family as you're in your pray watch community and wherever god invites you go be the living proof of our loving god yep we love you guys we'll catch you next time on the text lab